0: Hello and welcome to another episode of FGC Philosophy. Today we'll have two exciting topics that we'll be discussing. So buckle up and get ready for an entertaining and informative episode. Hey, it's Tavian the Philosopher Napier and as the Assistant Director of Esports and Arena at Western Michigan University, I've been lucky enough to turn my passion for gaming uh, into a career. I organize and produce tournaments, I've competed in fighting games, and I've even tried my hand at commentary. Uh, whether I'm behind the scenes or in the thick of the action, gaming is my love and my life. And I'm excited to share my experiences and my insights with you on this podcast. Now, the first topic we're going to be talking about is uh, the MHSEL tournament that was hosted at the Western Michigan University Arena uh, the esports arena. Uh, As someone who produced the tournament, I'll be sharing my personal experiences and insights with you, uh, what makes that tournament so special. We'll discuss the structure of the tournament, the games that were played, the atmosphere at the arena, and much more. Uh, If you're a fan of esports or just curious about what happens at major tournaments, you won't want to miss this segment. Uh, Now on to our second topic. There have been players in the fighting game community, primarily competitive fighting game players are the one that I take issue with, uh, that have been using a cracked beta to play the game. Uh, If you don't know what that is, I'll get into more detail in a little bit. But for now, I believe that these players should be banned. We'll explore what that means, the ethical issues surrounding the use of the cracked beta, uh, the impact on the community, and whether or not it's fair to those who have paid for the game. We'll also look at the potential consequences for those who choose to use a cracked beta and the reasons why some players might feel justified in using it. Uh, This is a topic that's sure to generate some debate, so make sure you tune in and uh, share your thoughts as well. I'm excited to talk about this topic. We have a great episode lined up for you today. Uh, Whether you're an esports fan, or a fighting game enthusiast, or just someone who enjoys thought-provoking discussions, uh, there's something here for you. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into these topics. So before we get into those topics, one thing I've got to mention, people who have been listening for a while now are familiar. I talk about audiobooks a lot, and I listen to them every day. Uh, whether it's meditation books for my son that have dinosaur meditations <laughs> which are great uh, because he goes asleep and is incredibly helpful because he gets to meditate and also combine dinosaurs if you didn't know my son's obsessed with dinosaurs makes it great i listen to a lot of self-development or fantasy books like the sword of truth series the harry potter series i'm currently listening to a series called the land which is like a almost like an isekai but an american isekai in a book it, it's really really interesting is what i'm saying now if you're interested in audiobooks you're like me you travel a lot or you're just doing a lot of things you can't really read as often or you don't want to read as often not judging uh, audiobooks are a great option and audible has a huge catalog i've been using them for a long time like literally 15 years just almost every day at least once a week bare minimum and uh, you can get a free month you can try this out if you don't like it no problem you didn't spend any money and you won't have to Uh, if you do like it if you end up keeping the service for three months by using my link, then I get a small commission. Every little bit helps and I greatly appreciate it. And if you're going to use Audible anyway, then now's your chance to try it for free before you actually buy for it, if that makes sense. So make sure you check it out, tavianapier.com audible. It'll take you right there. You should get a free month plus a free book and you can try it out for yourself. All right, now let's get to the topics. Alright, so the first topic is the M-H-S-E-L High School Championship Finals. We were reached out to a while ago by an organization. They are the Michigan Association of Assistant Principals of Secondary Schools, something along those lines. I can't think of it right off the top of the head. I am kind of tired and it's been a long day, but I'm here, I'm here uh, to talk. And. But yeah they reached out to western michigan university i am the person that runs the esports program so i was a huge part of the conversation and a part of the planning and we have been planning this for two semesters right and it was the biggest event of the year now i want to look at this from a couple of different perspectives because there's my perspective and there's kind of the social perspective and i think it's important to mention both of them because my perspective I think is a little bit warped but for the betterment of my my mindset and I'll explain that in a second Uh, the other one is the social overall aspect of it because it was a very big deal and uh I want to give a little bit of scale to that now what this is before we get into all that stuff is uh, it's a tournament it was a finals right so we have all the esports teams in high school all the high school esports teams in Michigan that were in this league hosted by this organization at MHSEL um, coming to a local spot, which would be our arena to compete. Now, there were three different games. The first game was League of Legends. The second one was Rocket League and the third one was Smash. So basically it was the top two teams from each team competing on the main stage. That was the attraction, the main attraction of the event. Um, and our responsibility was it was our computers it was our building um, it was our production team and our tech support so you know making sure all the PCs are working properly or if anybody has any issues audio or controller issues that's our responsibility Uh, putting on the show both on the live stream and also on the big screen for people in the actual arena to attend and watch that's our responsibility Uh, and I was essentially an advisor as well like that's not on the actual description of things that i i would be doing but technically it's something that i have to do because a lot of people who are hosting tournaments it's their first time or it's their first time doing it with production uh, that's kind of the allure of the arena is that it's professional production with professional equipment it's not no ringy ding setup not to judge anybody else or anything it's like a really great setup though uh, they put a half a million dollars into this facility and i think in a lot of ways it shows when it comes to our production. And all that said, to convey the idea that these people were coming in, you know hoping to put on a show, and we definitely delivered, right? I, I, I feel like I sound cocky saying these things, but I feel like it, it, I need to say it in a matter of fact way because i I am fine acknowledging my accomplishments while not getting caught up in my feelings, right not letting it go to my head to some degree and I know what quality is. I can, I can see that objectively. I can critique it, right? I can give criticism on it. And there's definitely criticism that I have about my own production. Don't get it twisted. There's a lot of improvements I want to make. But there's not many organizations out there, even just traditional uh, streams as well, uh, that are on our quality, both in-house and online. Mostly in-house, honestly. But we, we do a pretty decent online Stream as well. We have ideas on how to make it better, but we work within our means. So I say all that to, to mention to to bring up the fact that you know they came to us for this event and we delivered, uh, and it was it was great. You know, the first thing that we did, uh, I think the first topic to talk about before I get too ahead of myself is the preparation. Now, preparation is something that I'm weak in. I would say I'm a doer. I I procrastinate as well, so I will figure out how to do things in a burst of information, and I'll just go do it. Uh, but I don't usually, over the course of months, it's a little bit harder for me to see the big picture and plan that accordingly. Uh, but you know, we met, we talked, and while this was also happening, I was hosting other tournaments and you know, learning the skills on my own path, right? Because we we did organize our own in-house tournaments this year. Uh, we had a couple. We had a couple of different kinds of events, like banquets and such. Uh, We did a lot of streaming this year, so we have a lot of experience with preparing in our own way. But, you know, it was fascinating to see this other organization and their method because they weren't focused on production. They didn't really have to include all of that. Uh, It was purely getting the schools to enter into this league. The preparation, you know, I got to see and, and talk about the production aspect and the the flow of the event, right? Because uh, I say production, and I do mean the lights, the sounds, the, the cameras, the the gameplay, the commentary. That is all part of what we do. Um, but because we're an in-house location, you know, we also have to explain to people where they need to be and what they need to be doing. So it, I don't know what category that actually falls into. You know, like a stagehand or something like that, um, and a director in a sense because i they know what they want to do with the bracket and they understand like their schedule from start to finish of like how you know what they're going to say how they're going to say it all that kind of stuff which i thought was very interesting uh, cuz we don't have anything too documented in that that sense so getting to see his documentation of how the flow of the event worked it was a great combination because we already had the process of how to do production, we just know how to do it. A lot of it is just from experience, and there, there is documentation, but my crew, me myself, we know what to do because we've talked about it and we've done it in the past, and we set up for it, just not in the same way they do it. Um, and on the day of the tournament, you know, like always, I usually have um, I don't know if anxiety is the right word, right? I'm anxious, right? There's a lot of things in my mind, things I want to make sure I remember. Like that's when my, my brain starts to really start firing rather than over the course of the years because it's just easier for me to see it in the next coming days. But, you know, having conversations with them and asking them questions along that path, whether via email or it was through like a, a Skype call, Teams call, or what's the other one? I can't think of the other one. Really popular one. Is webex we use webex as well and there's another one i am really sad i can't remember what it is i'll remember it later on but i digress <laughs> i digress um overall it was great to work with them i i, I said they're the most organized experience most organized people or group that we've worked with and that's not nothing against any of the other groups um but it just was refreshing to to see the level of preparation they had, you know, and a lot of these people are learning, so it's not like a knock on anybody because I think everyone's doing a great way, a great job in their own way. Um, but these guys, I guess they've been doing it for a while, or maybe because they've been principals, they know how to organize things in a different kind of way. It, it's just nice and refreshing, and I get to learn a lot about their process because I feel like I learned a lot just watching and looking at their documentation and, and like uh, reading how they structure an event. So that's something that we can build upon at Western Michigan University and the staff and the team, we can absorb that. Like many of the other rentals that we've had, you know, other clients that we've worked with. But in terms of the, the sheer scale, uh, like we, again, my brain was just focused on doing it. So I wasn't really thinking about the perception. It was more just let's make sure this is as good as it can be. That is my job. So that's where my brain was at. But you know, my, my, my staff, you know, the people that like my coaches and people helping with production or volunteering, you know, they're like, you know, this is a huge deal. This is the state championships for the eSports League. And there's like a bunch of teams in the school um, and they're coming from all over, like, you know, Detroit's four hours away from us or something like that. There's a lot of schools traveling from a long way to come here. And I'm like, that's cool. Nice. Um, not really perceiving like what people would see about that unless, it you know, it deals with marketing specifically and, and numbers that I, I care about. Data and stats and doing well in in the process, uh, not whether or not people think that we're a big deal. To a degree, to a degree. there There's a middle ground there, but I'm oversimplifying. I digress. But yeah, you know, it, it was a big deal. Channel Three News, if you're in the Michigan area, you might know them. They came by and did an article on the event. I should post that. i should I should put the clip or the link in the show notes for you so you can check that out yourself uh, i think that'd be cool for people who aren't in the area or maybe have never seen the arena there's some cool pictures in there i believe uh, little excerpts and information but yeah you know not only was it fun to produce and cool to learn and see and experience uh, it was also entertaining you know we were the ones producing the show but we got to watch some really high level high school esports like it is hard to explain because you you watch high school football or high school sports and a lot of times you know that can be as entertaining um and i think sometimes there's physical limitations but usually by the time high school comes around it's you know they're they're a little bit stronger they're a little bit you know it's just mainly the experience i would say but either way it's kind of the same situation in high school esports where you know these kids are young they can only be so good normally but that's kind of not as much of a issue because uh video games are so accessible at a young age that these kids can just exponentially grow so some of these kids are already better than college you know teams our our teams are pretty good so not our teams in particular but um some of these kids yes uh, you know individuals within these teams were on our level or even higher than some of like our league of legends players and stuff like that so it was it was entertaining to see that again we did league of legends which is the most cha- chaotic to watch in my opinion Um, But if you're a fan of League of Legends and you know what's going on, it's incredibly exciting. Uh, And I think it always will be. But then you also have Rocket League, which is much simpler to understand, right? You don't have to know all the crazy mechanics of the game to know what's going on and appreciate it to a degree. You know, car, football, and goal, (laughs) points go up. (laughs) It's really, really simple, Um, but it's really fun to watch. Uh, And there were some great... Rocket League players as well, like some really great matches that went back and forth and it was really entertaining to see that and then the same thing with Smash Bros, oh my god the Smash Bros oh my god, All right, so uh, this was a crew battle, so it was like a one versus one three times in a row so, (laughs) this took me a while to understand actually (laughs) but basically it's three best out of fives, each player does one best out of five with their equally seeded opponent from the other school and they duke it out that way so you know if the first player wins the best of five you get one point overall for the team match Uh, if the second player wins the on the same team wins their best of five then it's it's the best two out of three total you totally win you're done you're you're done with the tournament this ended up being one to one which means that game three was going to happen either way, for fairness. It is a high school, so we want to make sure everyone does play. Uh, but it ended up being one versus one, or one to one, which meant that the last match was the tiebreaker. Uh, and they saved their best ranked players for the last match. So that was kind of a, like, I don't know if they were just doing it for the fun, to like, or if they were actually trying to make an anchor player in case it was one versus one. Um, it, that's just kind of nuts. And the craziest part to me, is that the two players at the end that played, the highest seated players that played against each other, were both Snake mains. <laughs> they were both Solid Snake mains. Now, if you don't play Smash, and you don't know who Solid Snake is, I, I, can't, I can't help you. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously though, Solid Snake is a, a video game character from a game that has nothing to do with fighting games. Very far removed, but uh, he, he got onto the roster of Super Smash Bros. This guy's like a military tactical espionage expert, right? He has like explosives and rocket, launch, like rocket launcher, which is explosives. He has like, you know, CQC, which is a, you know, he does have fighting moves because he is a, like a mercenary that does fight people, uh, but it's not in fighting game mechanics or anything like that, much like many of the other characters. Uh, but yeah, he's just so far removed. You know, he has normal human proportions. Uh, he's dressed in like this espionage gear. Uh, and, but he's my favorite character. I can't play him worth a crap because he's so weird, but I enjoy it and just the fact that, you know, Snake isn't a super duper popular character like he's, there's some really good Snake players out there, uh, but to see two of them fighting against each other, I'm I'm the weirdo, I'm the masochist that likes mirror matches, I love playing mirror matches, it's just like, it's 100% fair you can't make any excuses about the character uh, you know what the character can do, it's just like playing chess almost. You have the same exact pieces, nothing different other than just what you do with those pieces uh, and win. So yeah, it, and it, was, it was exciting. It was fun. And, and uh, what was really cool too is my boss stopped by. You know, he, he doesn't work in eSports, uh, and he has many other responsibilities, so he doesn't get to come through all the time. And you know, he stopped by, and he, he got to see... The, the audience, there was like 160 people total at the arena. So, you know, and we see it about 200. And so it was, it was a pretty good turnout. And uh, Smash Bros. was just incredibly exciting. You get to hear the crowd. You get to, you know, see the action, to hear the commentators reacting to it. It's just so much fun. And so overall, a great experience. It's the last event of the year. Uh, and we ended with a bang. You know, we got on the news, a lot of social media presence, I suppose, uh, act- activity. Engagement, that's the one. Engagement, there we go. Uh, Yeah, so that's really good for business. And it was really fun, and it was an honor to work with this company, which already wants to do something with us again next year. Uh, So I am incredibly excited for that. Now, on to the other topic. Let me explain. Street Fighter VI is a game that is coming out in a couple of months. It has been the talk of the town since it was announced like last year or something like that for many different reasons Uh, and this game is looking to be very good that isn't completely relevant to this story but it is important to note Uh, it is an incredibly exciting game and like many other games that are coming out and are anticipated in our multiplayer uh, it had a beta now this beta lasts for a certain period of time you lose access to it because it is a server-based uh, game, right? You download it and then when they're done, you just can't play the game anymore because they, they basically shut it down. Uh, and that's what happened to the Street Fighter 6 beta. Now, some people figured out a way to get around that, that off switch that Capcom set. And this is called cracking. This is like a cracked beta. So when I'm talking about crack, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the video game. Okay? Uh, and that's what happened. This, this cracked beta People started playing it. Now, on the surface, that's pretty harmless, but you have to keep in mind that I am in the competitive gaming circle. And that's an issue, right? And this has been a conversation. I want to hopefully talk about this a little bit more, maybe have a guest back on the show, because I talked about it a little bit with Kenso in a previous episode, Uh, but I've had a lot of time to think about it and the. There's been more development, right? We've learned more about it and I, I understand a little bit more and have had more time to just process my opinions. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, I do think that these players should be banned from certain tournaments. Uh, why I think that is the more important thing because I've seen people debating online back and forth about this. Like, it's not a big deal. You know, the advantage that they have which is the important part, they have a tactical advantage because they're sitting there training, playing the game. These competitive players who are going to be entering tournaments, right, have access to something that every other player is respecting because Capcom made it as such. There's terms of services to this, right? There's technically legal agreements or documentation saying, you know, when you play this beta, you're only playing it from this period to this period. So you're technically breaking contract. I don't know the technical term. I don't know the legal terms. I'm saying it wrong, but you're essentially going against what the contract said that you basically signed by either hitting okay or powering up the game whatever it may be you agreed to it so not only is there the, the the legal issues with capcom being able to punish you somehow i don't know exactly what that is right now but you also have this ethical issue of getting an advantage and then there's a, a moral question. And that's the part that I want to focus on. The reason I want to talk about the moral issue is because uh, there is a argument to be had for the fact that the players who play the crack beta, they'll have an advantage, but it'll be temporary. Right? That's sort of the back and forth right now is that there's an advantage that you'll have. And then a lot of players come back with, yeah, but like for how long? And there's two things. One they're going to be winning tournaments until that that gap evens out um, that's still tournaments that are being win wind one beaten in a kind of an unfair manner right so at the beginning of the tournament it's sort of sullied because you have these players who didn't respect the the boundaries that Capcom set and everyone else followed uh, but the more important part is how can I trust you right you're willing to, a lot of times publicly, you know, streaming this stuff, uh, you're willing to cheat, essentially, to get an advantage or because you're selfish. Uh, And I I will say personally, like, this doesn't really, I think there's a separate argument for people who aren't competitive, uh, but that's not what I want to focus on in this episode. I want to focus on specifically players who know that they're going to be competing in tournaments, players who are known to already have been, Playing competitively at a high level, right? These players who can learn exponentially and will get an advantage and may maintain an advantage for a long time, uh depending on how things go. But also, who's to say you won't do more? Who's to say that you won't do it again, right? How can I trust when you make a you know a claim that a player did something? That trust is kind of gone because you're, you're willing at this point to break the rules and you're willing to admit it perhaps there's things that you are already doing or will do and you probably wouldn't say anything right there's an issue there's a there's almost like a I don't know if I would say boy who cried wolf per se, per se but something along those lines where you have made an act that you know is benefiting you and can screw other other screw over other people who respected you know whether you respect capcom in particular I don't mean that I just mean there are rules set about when you can play a game and there's personally right I grew up in an area where if, if someone shows you something that you know you don't trust them like if they steal from you right they steal your bike don't don't trust them around your stuff anymore right and i don't say that as a theoretical thing i mean my brother had a friend who stole my bike and came back to my house looking for my brother on my bike right and then we we took it from my parents took it from him because my bike was very unique There's no way anybody else had a red and white bmx with a purple handbrake like it wasn't happening so uh, you know a friend down the street stole my bike Why would I ever trust that guy again? Right? So arrogant that he did it right in my face. That's basically what these people are doing that are like open about it, streaming it, making YouTube content on it. Uh, In my opinion, I think Capcom has every right to be like, yo, you're not joining our Capcom Pro Tour. Now, I I think there's a caveat because what happens in the FTC is that there's this cascade effect where One organization that's well-known bans a player. Then every other organization starts to do the same thing. And I'm not necessarily saying that. However, many majors are associated with Capcom through the Capcom Pro Tour. Uh, I believe there are tournaments where you can get points towards that in things like Combo Breaker or uh, maybe even Evo. uh, Correct me if I'm wrong on this. I'm pretty sure this is how that works. Because Tekken and MK had similar things so that gets a little bit muddy because I'm not necessarily saying that they need to but because they are technically affiliated with Capcom there's a good chance they might be legally obligated to because they are associated with Capcom Um, and then there's other people who just like to follow suit because you know either they think they strongly follow morally whatever is being talked about but some people might just be a little bit trigger happy and so i don't think individual tournaments should ban them but i definitely think the two million dollars that capcom is putting up they don't deserve any part of that and if you disagree tell me why you disagree tell me why you think that i a person you know if i was capcom and i i said you can't play you can't practice this unless everybody can practice this right and you're willing to go against that. Why would I give you my $2 million plus, like Any part of that, right? There's $1 million for first place and then it's divvied up amongst the, the top whatever. I'm just saying, maybe think about that from that perspective. If you had $2 million that you were giving out for a tournament and people were cheating, would you let them compete and get that money? I wouldn't. Just saying. So let me know if you disagree. I would love to hear it. I would love to debate about it. Uh, I want to get into this. Because some people might think it's not a serious topic, but I think it is going to become a more serious topic and an important topic, depending on how the future of gaming is. Otherwise, they're going to screw us over and not let us get as many good betas because these people keep doing that kind of stuff. So I want betas. I want to play some cool betas. I want to get some closed betas, whatever it may be in the future. Uh, And these people, in my opinion, risk ruining that as well. So let me know what you think. Thank you guys so much. And as always, I will see you all in the next one.